This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education X. Thank you for joining us. Testing, testing, testing. Teachers complain they're being asked to give too many tests. Parents are complaining that their children are spending too much time preparing for tests. Presidential candidates are promising to end high-stakes tests. Senator Elizabeth Warren pledges, as president, I'll push to prohibit the use of standardized testing as a primary factor in closing a school, firing a teacher, or making any other high-stakes decisions. Not to be outdone, Senator Bernie Sanders insists, we do not need an education system in which kids are simply taught to take tests. But a just-released study shows that introducing high-stakes testing into a country's school system actually lifts student performance. The study, prepared by scholars at Stanford University and the IFO Research Institute in Munich, Germany, by Anika Bergbauer, Eric Hanushek, and Ludger Wussmann, says that countries that introduce high-stakes testing see definite gains. Ludger Wussmann, Director of Education Research at the IFO Institute, has agreed to join me on the Education Exchange today, and I'm very delighted to have him here with me. Thank you, Ludger, for joining me. I'm happy to be here. So, Ludger, you have assembled a remarkable data set on testing and student achievement from countries across the world. How many countries did you look at? How did you gather this information? Why hasn't anybody done this before? <laughs> well, it is an enormous amount of data, that's true. Um, so, this is the PISA test um, that's been uh, done by the OECD, kind of a club of uh, developed countries, and it started out in the year 2000. And so then some 30-something countries started to test representative samples of all their 15-year-olds in math and in science and in reading. And um, they've been doing that ever since then, every three years. And um, interest has grown and grown, and more and more countries wanted to participate. So um, what we basically do is we look at all the countries that participated in PISA at least three times since 2000, uh, or most recent wave is uh, 2015, and that, that really gives us 59 countries for which we all, each of which we observe several times in the data. That really means we have more than 2 million individual students, and we actually can run the analysis at the individual student level. We know background information about each of these students, and we know math, science, reading achievement of each student in here. So you are unique in this study in that you look only at the changes in student achievement within each country. You're not comparing one country to another. You're looking up, you're taking information from all of these countries and looking at the changes within each country in the amount of testing and the kind of testing they do and its impact on achievement. How are you able to do that? Yeah, this is really maybe also the answer to your first question of why no one has done this before, because uh, you need to observe these countries long time over time to be able to be, to do this. So actually, I myself and many, many others have used PISA and other international data just to compare across countries in a cross-section, so asking why is some country doing better than the other. But of course, big questions there always remain on maybe... Asian countries are just better, not because they use certain forms of testing, for example, but because they have certain Asian values, they're deep-rooted, that you cannot really condition out in your analysis. And so you always get some indications from these cross-country comparisons, but you can never be totally sure. So the nice thing now is that we observe countries over time is that we can 
like methodologically speaking, include fixed effects for each country. So we really take out the average achievement of a country over time in the entire analysis and just look at how countries' achievement changes over time from 2000 to 2015. So this is a 15-year uh, time period, quite quite a while. And the most important thing for this is, of course, that there has to be some variation in the thing you're interested in. So we are here interested in testing. So we can only use this if, in fact, some countries have expanded testing and maybe other countries have uh, reduced testing. And only this type of variation will help us identify whether increased or reduced usage of testing improves or reduces student achievement over time. So has the United States been the country that has most increased the use of testing? When I listen to all the comments on testing, I feel like the United States must be leading the world in, in testing. But So what, what does your data show there? Well, it's actually a broad global trend towards more testing, to be honest. So the U.S. is not unique in here, although it is really uh, maybe somewhat at the, at the forefront. But um, you can see that in most countries we're looking at, some form or another of testing has been increasingly used since the year 2000. And only very few countries, although a few there are, uh, have reduced the usage of testing. But maybe here I should point out that I think that that's one of the core features of our study uh, is to emphasize that there are different forms and types of testing. Um, so... I guess in the U.S. you think a lot about these um, accountability system type of testing that I, I guess have been particularly introduced uh, with and since the NCLB legislation and everything that, that expanded since then. Um, so where you use standardized tests and then use it to have consequences for the schools in order to provide incentives. So this is one usage, but there's many other usages. I think the whole debate is really quite um, disturbed by this lack of uh, consideration of what testing really is. So, so let, me, let me interrupt and say, you distinguish four different kinds of testing. And I, I think that's a really interesting way of organizing the look at the data. Uh, and tell me how, if I'm right in this, you call one kind standardized testing with looking for some external comparison where you're really comparing what's happening in one place with what's happening in another place. And I would call that high stakes testing because it's revealing how well, how well wow. that system. Do you, do you feel like that that should, is properly called high stakes testing? Not exactly, although uh, it, it has a lot of resemblance and mostly overlaps, I guess. I think the important thing here is we are interested in testing and not defining explicitly how this each specific test is being used. Because, you know, I mean, both we are interested in the informational content that different types of tests have, but also um, policymakers usually cannot fully uh, control how these tests are being used, but they usually can control which type of tests are there. So think of, um, so what we emphasize is standardized testing, meaning it is comparable, but then that is actually uh, co available in an externally comparable way. So we know whether these tests that you have allow you to compare the performance of one school to another school in the region or in the nation. So this is externally comparable testing. You could have standardized testing 
that is not necessarily comparable. So you can have a standardized test, but you will never learn whether the kids in your school do better or worse than anywhere else. Well, do they really have tests like that? Standardized tests? That, that, well, uh, of course. I mean, many countries and many schools, also in the U.S., I'm sure, are, are using tests where they say, look, we actually don't want to have teacher-developed tests. We use a standardized test that comes from some organization. Um, but that then you don't have any information about to what extent these are really uh, like how your kids are doing on this test compared to others in the nation that you care about. I see. And then the other yeah. end of the, of the whole spectrum to see like where the difference is much clearer than I guess is purely internal testing. So teacher developed tests. I mean, these are most of the testing that goes on in any school at any point in time, I guess, is not at all standardized and certainly not externally comparable. But just, I mean, that's what every, every country uh, all the time has been using. Teachers develop their own tests just to see the pace of progress in the classroom to see what students have learned. Um, but, of course, these then are never designed to be externally comparable or anything like. So your, your main distinction is between those tests that are designed and, and the data is made available so you can compare what's happening in one school with what's happening elsewhere. Exactly. And, you know... Um, that usually means they will have some stakes to them, but that's something we don't fully observe in here, and also that's not the main question that we try to study. So, for example, think about two different ways of which these externally comparable tests can be used. The one is the NCLB, as in uh, the U.S., use it to provide incentives for schools. Um, another thing you could do is um, have externally comparable tests that will define on which students are going to be selected to go on either to a certain track of higher uh, higher um, high school or at the end of high school which students are going to be selected to specific studies at the university or whether you're going to be allowed to go there at all. So many countries have that. It's kind of Imagine you would have an SAT test that's not a separate test, but actually that is actually your end-of-school exit exam in your high school, directly tied to your curriculum, to what you've been teaching there. Then all of a sudden, you don't even have to put incentives explicitly at the schools, but just by design, incentives are strongly here for students to do well here because they're going to be compared to other students in their cohort and only those who are doing better are going to be rewarded by going on to a better higher education. So you have all these different kinds of tests, and some of these tests seem to generate gains in student achievement, and other tests do not. So which are the ones that seem to be effective in mobilizing higher levels of accomplishment on the part of the students? So interesting enough, it's really only these type of tests that are standardized and allow for external comparison that, if introduced, lead to higher achievement of students over time. We find that in math, we find it in reading, and we find it in science. Um, and we find it quite consistently in, in different permutation of the data. Um, then for these truly just internal uh, tests, we basically don't see any evidence that it affects what students actually learn. So, I mean, it's kind of important to repeat that. Like, whether a country has expanded this internal testing over time or whether it didn't change it or whether it went down, 
it didn't have any effect on how students performed on the PISA tests over time in either of these different subjects. Um, the same is actually true for internal... So you're saying the only kind of testing that you can show actually affects student achievement is the kind of testing where you can make comparisons to other schools and other parts of the country. That's the broad uh, picture. That's right. There's actually... Um, so on average, that's true. If we differentiate between countries that were initially already at a high level of achievement and countries that were initially doing poorly, we in general see that these external testing effects are also bigger for the initially poorly performing countries. But there we actually also see some evidence that just standardized tests that are not necessarily uh, usable for external comparison but actually provide standardized uh, information also have some uh, positive effects in poorly performing countries, but actually not in uh, middle and high performing countries. So when you say they have positive effects, uh, how big of an effect is this? Let's talk about the average effect of these uh, standardized tests that have external examinations. What, what's, what's this? Is it a, just a little effect or is it a huge effect? I mean, how, 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 how big of an effect is this really? It is, it is pretty big. So if you would imagine you go from no external testing, zero to full external testing, all kids, uh, 100%, our estimates would suggest that your achievement at the country level on average increases by a quarter of a standard deviation, 25 uh, test score points on PISA. And this is roughly close to or about what students on average tend to learn during one whole school year. So basically by having this, this external testing at the same age and grade level, your cats at the end of the day will have learned a full year's more of uh, worth of, of knowledge than without these tests. And, and that's on average. Now, how about in the uh, less developed uh, places or where student performance is lower, do you find even larger effects there? Yeah, so because this is the average effect, you can think of it as being kind of, there's probably something uh, like a continuum from, from effects that are close to 50% of a standard deviation to in the very high-performing countries like the, the East Asian countries that do very well. If, if you introduce uh, external testing in these type of countries, we don't see an effect. So there is kind of zero. And so averaging between 50 and zero gives you the average effect of 25. So I know our listeners are eager to learn where the United States comes out in this uh, list. Is, is the United States, in your analysis, considered one of the lowest performing countries or is it about average or where does it fit into the picture? In the full sample of countries, it's, um, well, it actually, it's, it's around average. It's, it's around it's, average because you include, the 54 countries includes a lot of countries, but have resources that are far more limited than the resources in the United States. Exactly. Yeah. So some people may question your findings by saying that the changes in testing occurred when the country was introducing other reforms as well, such as raising teacher salaries, putting more resources into the schools. Can you be sure that these results that you're getting are a result of the changes in testing policy and not some other changes that were being introduced at the same time? That's, of course, a, a big question. And so one of these things that we do a lot of robustness checks uh, about to make sure that we're just not picking up some random other things that go on. So. All these analyses we have to include a lot of information about the resources that are there actually at the individual student and school level. So we know about the degrees that teachers have. We know about all sorts of resources in the schools. And so these are all 
controlled for in the analysis, meaning we hold these constant when we estimate the effect of tests. Maybe policy-wise, so one policy that often goes hand in hand with uh, testing is the variation in school autonomy. And we've shown in previous research that this is actually quite relevant. So all the analysis also condition on the extent of school autonomy that a country has. And so we don't see that as impacting here. But you, th you know, it's really about, you've got to think about, these are reforms that happen in a country over time. And it's certainly conceivable that a country does other things at the same point in time. But interestingly, actually, depending on whether we condition on all these other things that we do observe or whether we don't do it, we basically get the same results. And that in itself, like this imperviousness of results on whether you condition on other policies that you observe or not, gives you an idea that probably even though we, we can't observe all policies that may be relevant, it seems quite unlikely that actually what we find is driven by other things that go on in the system. That having been said, of course, I mean, we don't want to condition out any other thing that's going to happen after these reforms. The whole point, of course, is that people now do behave differently and people, for example, do now focus much more on what students actually learn than uh, without these reforms. We just want to be sure that it's not that if you would just put in more money in the system, for example, that would give you the same results. So how did these tests make a difference? I mean, it's very nice to say, okay, all we have to do is put in these tests and all of a sudden the system is magically going to educate kids to a higher level, a whole year's better. But what are the mechanisms? What's the, what's the process by which this occurs? Do teachers all of a sudden sit up straight and do a better job? Or do students already sit up straight? Or do parents take out their sticks and whack them? What's the, what's the mechanism here? So I guess for the different types of external testing, uh, mechanism could be quite different. And we are not in a position to fully observe all these mechanisms here. So it's more speculation than actually full, fully shown results, at least not within... Uh, this study. So, as indicated, you can have these external exams more tied to schools and other types of external exams more tied to students. Um, and in both cases, do we actually see, and we can do these analysis separately, in both cases we see this positive eff effect of external testing. So it's something that's together there. I guess what, what's happening here is that Different agents in the system now have different incentives. It could be the teachers that all of a sudden actually know now, well, actually, I have to prepare my students for these external tests because somebody in the, at the end observe how are my kids doing compared to kids in other students nearby, other schools nearby, or at least in the nation. Um, and then you cannot get around whenever you have whatever a bad year or anything that you don't teach very well and do your own little teacher-developed test that where you lower your standards. That's no longer feasible, and I think that's a big part of the story. And the same is true, I think, for students, very strongly so. I mean, if you don't have externally comparable tests, if the tests that you get at, uh, at the end of the day uh, that, that determine whatever your end-of-course grade or something are just set by the teacher, you know, the in a sense, the efficient way for all the kids in a classroom, um, the optimal way to achieve reasonable grades is actually to collude and try to like, persuade the teacher not to have as, as high standards. And then everybody gets the same grades, just without less effort. Problem is that at the end of the day, 
what counts is what students have actually learned uh, rather than just what grade you get. And so that's kind of the interesting part. That's what we economists often uh, care about or look into is you see in many, many studies that actually the, the learning at the end of the day, even just if just measure, measured by these basic achievement tests in math, science and reading, is very strongly uh, related to how much these students then later earn in the labor market or actually even at the country level to the long run economic growth and that so to the whole prosperity of, of nations. So if this is such a valuable tool that educational systems can take advantage of, why is there so much political opposition to making use of it? Well, there's probably lots of dimensions, but I mean, if, if, if you are, can get away without being uh, tested, meaning without anybody observing how you actually did and what your job has been asking you to do and you can always say at the end I've been doing a great job you rather go for that than for actually having real outcomes where you actually have to strive hard and make it happen and that's kind of true for everybody in the system so if you can get away with it without providing comparable information on actual outcomes politically that's uh, probably always uh, an interesting option then of course of course that's what I do at Harvard I can give out all these grades and I can, and nobody evaluates how well I'm doing. I, I just totally love it. Yeah, and your students too. They all have A's now. Uh, <laughs> question is whether that's producing the out, outcome we all need. In your case, of course, that's true, but not on average. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining uh, me, uh, Ludger. Uh, I've been speaking with Ludger Wissman, Director of Education Research at the IFO Institute in Munich, Germany, and author with colleagues of a new paper on testing, quote-unquote, that compares the practice and performance of countries across the world. Thank you, Ludger, for joining me. Thanks. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me every Monday at noon when our weekly podcast is released on the Education Next website.